E-commerce expansion myths blasted. Successful cross-border expansion help. Listen to the show to hear how one UK company is helping e-commerce sellers successfully expand into Europe and double their profits. Hosted by Andy Hooper of Global E-commerce Experts. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you're calling from. This is the e-commerce expander secrets. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. This is a very, very exciting addition for me. Uh, I've got a great guest on, someone I've known for several years now. Uh, we met not so long ago. Well, no, we met a long time ago, it seems now. But anyway, uh, I have great pleasure in welcoming Jerome from e-commerce. Uh, Jerome, welcome to the e-commerce Expander Secrets podcast, if I can get my words out. Yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> applause, applause. Well done, Andy. I'm impressed. I'm humbled. And I'm, I, I, I join in your excitement to be there. It's, it's cool. We, we love talking together and we love talking about Amazon. So <laughs> I hope everyone will enjoy it as much as we do. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a fantastic time. We just hope everyone else does on the outside somewhere. So, um, Jerome, just for everyone's uh, knowledge right at the beginning, just give us a little about who is Jerome, where you're currently based, and what you're currently doing. Then we'll feed into that uh, in a bit, if that's all right. Awesome. So I'm Jerome. Uh, I'm I'm a bit of a mix because my mum is British, my dad is French. I was. Uh, Raised, born and raised in France, but I, I've traveled a lot. Uh, I, my background was really into sales, building brands. I was head of, of, uh, of Europe for a Chinese brand, actually, for, for 10 years and building this brand in Europe. And then I, to, the truth is I was looking for a job. I didn't find one. And so I decided I would open my own company. I said, you know what? Nobody wants to hire me. Then I'll do it myself. I'll do, I'll hire myself. And then I started to work with uh, several companies and my idea was say, okay, I'll help brands grow, expand. And I found out sometime after sometime that, okay, Amazon was a big uh, buzzword and people were not understanding it properly, I found. And so I started to, to do the Amazon stuff. So I really, I think there's a, uh, something very much, so things happen in life, sorry. So things happen in life in a way which you think it's not been, you didn't plan for it, but I think at the bottom of my heart, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a like I like to build uh, to create stuff. So like I found my own way in a, in a maybe without planning it, but I'm really enjoying it. And the the, the great thing about Amazon and, and the area we are is we we're always talking about building brands, and when it's not working and we're not building it, we're so unhappy about it. And it's really about okay, this energy around Amazon is so good and. I remember working in other industries or other things where when things are the I was my before career I was in in the photographic industry and like the photo industry when it went from analog to digital it was all falling down it's like everyone is saying yeah it's reduced this year again and yeah so this is and here in Amazon oh it's growing all the time and every Amazon Prime every Black Friday is, is even bigger than the one before so it's it's an exciting uh, place to be brilliant uh, well i'm going to come back to some of that that journey we're going to get back to in a minute because uh i hadn't realized actually a piece you just told me exactly there so that's really exciting i'm going to look forward to piece nine so for everyone listening what we're going to do is we're going to split this into several areas like we do for most of these podcasts is the first bit is going to be a bit about jerome and how he got into you know, his 
his background, if you like, and journey into e-commerce. Then we're going to be talking about e-commerce. And then from there, we're going to be talking about state of the nation, e-commerce, where it is today, and what we see happening for the rest of this year. So, Jerome, on that, let, let's talk about, you You said that you've got um, a, a, a British father, was it a French mother, and bought, raised in France? The other way around. The other, other way, way around, so, yeah. Okay. But in, in, raised in France, yeah. But raised in France. So, whereabouts in France were you raised? So it's in really in the middle of France, where you have uh, Clermont-Ferrand, where you have Michelin tires and so on, and then you have Paris, and basically it's more or less in the, in the middle. So it's in the middle of nowhere. There's a big diagonal of emptiness, we call it, in France, and it's right in the middle. So that I had more like cows as neighbors and real neighbors. So it's landlocked. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it's not many people. No water there. That. Okay, I love that. So that's where you grew up. So that's where you grew up. And so obviously you're in Luxembourg now, based in Luxembourg most of the time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. My, I live in France because it's too expensive to live in Luxembourg uh, yeah. with a family, to be fair. Uh, but the office is in Luxembourg, yeah. So did you go to university or anything like that? So yeah, I went to a business school, uh, a French business school in Grenoble, which is a splendid city right uh, close to the Alps. Uh, and then when I finished, actually, I went to work two years in Istanbul. And I had, we had our first daughter there in Istanbul. So that was quite of a journey. And then we came back and I found a job actually in, in Luxembourg, more or less, or close nearby. And that's where it all started. So what was your first, what was the first job then in Istanbul? So in Istanbul, it was this funny thing in uh, when you had a military service in France, you could serve in the military service or your military service in a French company abroad. And basically the government was paying for your for, or was subsidizing it. And yeah. sort of companies would say, OK, yeah, I need um, I need uh, this uh, young guy who's went out of a you know, graduated with a bachelor or whatever, and he can work for one or two years, the time of a military service. And actually my year in France was the last year, I was one of the last ones which had to do a military service. The ones afterwards didn't have to do it, but this the system went on and it was really nice. It was in, in the chemical company, you know, Total, right? Yep. Uh, the oil company, and they had acquired, so before it was Total Fina Elf, and they they had a chemical part called Atofina, which was all the was it, it's a huge company and now it's it's been sold out and it's called Arkema. So it's two separate, but at that time it was still part of Total, and it was a, it's a Turkish subsidiary. So there was only two French uh, guys, so the boss and myself. So I was I was helping him in lots of different like small tasks, but sometimes I had to go and see. The ambassador in in the name of the company so it was re a really fun time of uh, you know i was you know 20 21 20 years old i didn't know much about life but here i was sometimes you do doing like tedious tasks and it stuff and things i didn't nothing about and sometimes going going to an ambassador saying and being there and being the guy of atofina so it was Actually, I had two years, which I really loved. I really loved Istanbul. I learned Turkish. It was awesome. And it was tough to come back, to be fair. Ah, so you can speak Turkish as well, then? Evet. But I've, I've, I've forgotten most of it, to be fair. So we've got Turkish, French, English. What else have we got? Yeah, and Ge German. German, of course. 
Yeah. yeah. So I, I had when I did my business school, I spent five months inside Mercedes, so Daimler Chrysler at the time in in Stuttgart, and for what the Germans say a practicum, so a, a training period, a five months. Mm -hmm. That was also that was tough because I was living in one of those big buildings where they put all the students. It's called a VG, yeah. and you all live together, and the loads. Of, but it was a like you, you learn life and those things, right? And the funny thing is when I started to learn Turkish after at the end of my two years in Turkey, my yeah. brain could not handle German and Turkish. It's like I, I tried to speak German and Turkish words were coming. So it's like your brain works uh, strangely. But then I had to, I went back to uh, Germany and it came back eventually. Nice, nice. So you've done the Istanbul bit, then you've come back and you're back into Luxembourg. What was that next job? So that next that next job was a, so a Chinese company and the brand is called Vanguard and those who are into photo will know it because they do tripods, bags, uh, yeah. cases, binoculars also. And basically they were starting a new business unit, which was uh, professional cool tool cases. So that's very specific. And I was the only guy in that company doing it. And I had, I had in charge, I was in charge of whole Europe. So I had to travel. I, I set up like um, rep uh, networks in Germany, also reps in France. And I was always so traveling with the reps. I was traveling with distributors. So it was awesome because I was on my own. I had to build this thing and I was selling containers of that from China. And I, uh, awesome. And then the company had to restructure and so on. And we re so basically the company started in in um in, in france but then it closed down and it had to reopen and the boss asked me to become the boss of that and so i was still pretty young uh like 26 27 and she asked me okay can we rebuild and we restarted with four people in luxembourg and rebuild it to a larger team and then we had distributors and i went into the photo business but i was uh i it was very early for me so i, I had yeah. my uh, my struggles there but i was super Super proud and super happy, obviously, being a young, uh, stupid fellow, you know, uh, super proud of himself. So it didn't help my ego much, but yeah. But you enjoyed it, though. Very much so. Very much so. And the I must say, so we, after 10 years, so my, the, the, the lady, the Chinese lady who was my direct boss and the owner, decided to stop the adventure and I, I kind of agreed. It's like, yeah, it makes sense that she wanted to change things. Okay, we, we put it. I had underestimated like, okay, when you've been so much and you, you're so young and so on, it, it had a big impact. That's like yeah. the aftermath of that was um, was not easy to handle, but you learn a lot from that and you learn about and yourself. Is that when you then went out to China to work out there? No, so the, the group was Chinese. So we would spend a lot, of, like we did a lot of traveling to China and, and it, it was, this brand was started from a really no-name brand to we, but it was a lot of people. It's not me, like, but a big group of people with new products, with new stuff. But we would go to the factory and have those discussions. Okay, redesign products. And you go to factories like, yeah, okay, let's put it in pink. And then boom, you produce thousands of products. And you, the pink is, like you said, you should have this uh, color. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you, wow, I have this, this this power of the discussion and you can change thing and production and China is so huge and you go there and you've got thousands of people or hundreds of people suing with suing machines and 
you take a decision, all of a sudden say, okay, yes, let's do that. We change all the colors. Said, wow. Okay. That yeah. was uh, really mind blowing. And um, yeah, I learned a lot from there. And the Chinese have this thing where people could think, you know, they're a bit stupid and they, they don't know, but actually they learn. They always listen and learn. And so it's like, if you can, if you believe you can, yeah, make a good deal or you will want to be the one winning. Yeah. Well, think again. Exactly. Yeah. So is that where you started getting into the e-commerce side of things? So yeah, as I so as I was in in the organization, one of the things we had we opened this um, uh, subsidiaries, uh, one in Germany, one in the UK, one in the in Spain, for example. So we had to recruit the people, set it up, and then the idea was to say, okay, as you know, when you're selling on Amazon, we had we were a vendor, we had a vendor business, so we were selling to Amazon. And one of the big thing is when you're a vendor, you need to make sure you uh, have the same pricing overall. Otherwise, the German subsidiary will be selling everything and then it will go throughout all of Europe. Yeah. So I had to work on that thing and the strategy uh, of, okay, how do we do? And then I had to go and I was going to meet all those guys from Amazon in, in the UK, in France, and in Germany. I, I start, And I worked a lot with them. And. I like to get friends and to have a drink, you know me, right? So I, I get to, I got to know them quite a bit and become a bit friends with those vendor managers and start to learn more of the ways of Amazon. And for me, it was very clear, you know, what they want to achieve is very clear. Normally, they don't hide, they don't really, you know, it's more or less clear that what they want to achieve. So once you understand that and you understand how they function and what's their KPIs, then it's very difficult to have, it's very easy, sorry, to have a discussion. You know what's his KPI, you know what is yours, so it's, you need to be clever and saying, okay, I want, I'll want i tell you what you want to hear, and you will be helpful. Did, so, you ever, did you ever consider getting a job at Amazon? Yes, I did, uh, to be uh, fun fact. I I really thought that was my, my career, and there was a, a really great job as, uh, Kindle accessory category manager or something. So it's probably quite a high position. Yeah. And I was still young and I had, wow, I had like three phone interviews. I had to write two essays and I had seven interviews in one day. Uh, in one in one, yeah, it's like I was in a small room in, in Luxembourg and I remember sweating like and hoping that they wouldn't mind me. And I, they had, had me in that room and it was interesting but they said no at the end but the thing is what's tough is that you have seven people some very young like they're some with you know six months one year experience and yeah. some obviously with 20 years uh, 30 years experience and anyone can veto it and if the young girl there said no you know what i didn't like him you would get out so i don't know who vetoed and I think end of the day, I was I was not the right fit maybe for, for Amazon, but I saw okay, I've been in accessories all, all my professional life. You know that makes sense. I know the drill. I was so yeah. that was a hard time, but you learn from them, right? Quite right, quite right. Yeah. So was this where you started going through the transition to thinking, well, actually maybe I'll set up my own company? Yeah. So what I did is I knew because I knew how the Chinese mindset was and how my boss was thinking. And I saw, okay, she wants to come back to Europe and I need the Chinese are very, it's very important for when you have a relationship in China, nobody lose their face. You know, you don't, you don't want to make someone look bad. It's very important in the relationship. 
and I knew my boss wouldn't want me to look bad. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start an MBA, which I did in uh, Paris, a European MBA, and I'll step back so that you can come in and and then like and I start to uh, like transition out sort of. So I was preempting what was going to happen and that what happened. So I did my MBA and you know I was speaking three languages: French, English, German. I thought, yeah, I had this great experience. And to me, to be fair, I was offended. Like when my big ego was so offended to not to find a, a job. And I thought, you know, you know what, yeah. Uh, I was about to say something rude, but I said, "Okay, I'll I'll do it. I'll do it my own way, and I have my own company." And it really started from nowhere. And one thing I didn't like is people going from you know all all the different competitors. I didn't want to leave from one company to its competitor. I didn't like the idea. So I thought I will completely change my where like the where I'm playing. So I started to work with companies doing outsourcing, outsourcing in in Asia and outsourcing in Madagascar. And but it was it was really tough and and so it took me two years but really I was struggling and after two years I started to contact uh, people from my old industry and saying yeah do you do you, you need a bit of help to build and actually a, a brand I had been working with before called Eschenbach in Germany doing binoculars just hired me and said yeah we need someone to handle the distribution worldwide for us on our binocular business. And that's why I decided to say, but actually, Amazon is the only way to do distribution today. And that's where it all get, got started. And after one year, I said, okay, I'm focusing only on Amazon uh, services. That, that's interesting, isn't it? Because we were talking to uh, someone the other day, uh, completely sort of related, but not related. And they're like, well, we just don't, why are you not doing Amazon? Well, we just don't understand it. But that, that was their answer. We don't have someone in the business that understands it, so we're not going to do it. I mean, like, I was pretty much staggered and blown away by that comment that how many other thousands of businesses are listening to this or will listen to this going, yeah, I don't get Amazon, so we've not done it yet. Like, really? I just don't see that as an excuse right now, do you? Like, I mean, it is, but there's thousands of companies in that situation, isn't there? Oh, yeah. And that's why the, the as an agency we we meet so many people which are saying yeah yeah I don't, or you know Amazon's not for my products or it's oh it will ruin my brand or it's like you said wow that, you know that's the biggest platform there is today so it's like hmm, okay you would think that's about and that's but to be fair that's typically French for example they would say oh no my brand will you know will become it's lowering itself it's like yeah but it's you know it's the biggest one and if you want to expand in Europe that's the easiest way so it's yeah and it, it's a no-brainer and I was talking to a very large uh, uh, manufacturer and they were saying okay we, we we're like in a sense Amazon is a threat because they're they're undercutting others and it makes sense to make sure you, you go with your eyes eyes wide open right and you, totally. you make sure you're not being played but it's like you can't afford not to be there not to have great content not to have a great brand exposure and it's and there are ways to handle that brand exposure without killing your prices, without being played by Amazon. The thing is like saying, okay, no, I don't know, and yeah, yeah, I am, I am. So it's like for me, it was it. It's always been a surprise that some brands could say, okay, no, we, you know, we uh, we don't know. Of, you know, and I remember, like, I remember doing a show with a a DIY show. Uh, yes, it was a, no, yeah, 
was DIY. Oh no, it was protection and stuff in in France in Paris with a, a vendor manager coming from the UK, so from Amazon, and we were going together. So it was actually quite fun. We were friendly, and we were, we were going together to meet our brands. And for some of so it was Paris, so very French, and uh, and we met in some of the brands. We'd meet, and he would say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm from Amazon. Uh, do you, you know, um, could could we have a quick chat?" And some of the people say, "Oh, Amazon, well, no. and they would sit, just stay and sit. And a marketing manager would say, "No, oh, it's like I was, I was, I was. That blew my mind. It's like a guy who's too lazy to come and say hello to one of the biggest players in the in, in the space and say." Even if in DIY they're smaller, it's like you want to meet him, you want to say hello, you want to know him, right? You can't afford to say no. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm too good to, you know, Amazon. You're pathetic. It's like wow, that blew my mind. Honestly, it's like I don't understand how. If you're not curious, you're going to die in our world today. That, that's the base I, of it. I totally agree. That that there's there's a huge amount out there. So, so that's how e-commerce was born. Basically, it was born into this. Uh, behemoth of what it is now. Like this is you. You should be. You know, we were talking just before we came on on live on air that you know the the business has gone from strength to strength over the last few years. It's been you know epic since that. We we met in um, obviously we conversed online uh, like all good relationships start these days. We we met online and we then met in a pub in London. Didn't sounds we? strange. It does sound strange when you say that like that, but yeah. <laughs> We did meet in a pub, and yeah, and we had a few pub uh, sessions. Yeah, and interestingly, that pub uh, for anyone that's listening uh, across any of my profiles that have worked with me in the past um, was in a pub called what was called the Old Explorer many many years ago when I worked for John Lewis in my first ever career. Uh, and I used to go in there every night, so we had a pint in the Old Explorer. For anyone listening to this from the John Lewis days, who might listen to this. Perhaps give a little high five and a high welcome to that. But anyway, we digress slightly. So we then met in a pub. And actually, from over those years, it's been great because we've sort of egged each other along a bit, um, encouraged each other and everything else over those years. And you've done some amazing things you should be super proud of. So so e-commerce now, you know, what is the core thing that if someone was to come to you today, what's the core thing that you do that you support and solve? Yeah, our mission, so we've been working a bit on our mission, and our mission is to grow brands in e-commerce. And it could be in sales, could it be it could be in branding. Because as I said, you could not want to sell too much on Amazon, but it's, it's yeah. like growing. We are about growing. And if and sometimes we have conversation with brands and say, you know what, we're not sure we can grow you, so we might not work with you because we have this doubt. And... If we have this doubt, we're not true to ourselves. And and I've had like conversation with owners and saying, or after a couple of months and say, okay, we've tried, and for whatever reason of the environment of the product itself is, it's like it's going to take ages, or it's going to cost you a fortune to to grow it. And it's like, uh, we we don't we don't think it's a good thing, and we don't want to take your money just to, for the sake of taking your money. So we're trying to we're very strong into this mission of saying, okay, we need to grow brands. Nice. So on that then, what would you say would be a, if you was to pick the perfect client, what would be their sort of, you know, this is the sort of client that we can really take and really exponentially grow or, or successfully expand and grow their business? Because obviously you alluded to some that 
you, you, you might not take on. We won't worry about and dwell on those, but let's focus on the ones that actually you would rather you see great opportunity in, if that makes sense. Yeah, so the, first and foremost, we work only with brand owners. So that's very important because that makes a huge difference on Amazon. So a brand owner is someone who's, who's got registered his brand and he owns it. And that's the first thing. The second thing is that it has to be uh, in, in a category which is uh, not too complicated. So apparel, for example, can be complicated. Consumer electronics can be huge, but at the same time can be really competitive. Uh, so like pet, uh, pet products, uh, kid products, that's usually great categories, for example. But we're still wide in, in our approach. Now that the category is one thing, brand brand owner and then it's like the size of your business so typically anything uh we would start from half a million a year to like half a million is really low but it's like eight hundred thousand to a million a year that's typically the kind of brand we will start because you need to uh, having an agency which got a big staff tools uh you know pim tools advertising tools and different things that we have a lot of we have a substantial cost to produce a high quality service and for that to afford that you need to have a um, sales which are good enough and we've had uh, you know uh, customers where they would they started with five thousand a month but we believed okay that's uh, they're in the kid category they have a big potential and now they kind of do it in half a day or even less this kind of turnover and you, you, it's great to to see that grow so now it's like it's a bit of a mix of, of all that, but the idea is like you need to for me is uh, you need to you need to have a proof of concept. So yeah. either you have sufficient sales, so let's say you're you're doing eight hundred thousand a year, then that's a point where you probably wow that's too much for me. I need help, and that's where an agency like ourselves can come in and help you grow. Yeah. Or you can say okay, actually. I have this product and uh, I'm not very good maybe at advertising or anything, but I can see the conversion rate is really good. I'm saying like 15%, 20%, 25%. And you say, wow, actually I've got something here. Uh, and maybe it, it's worthwhile to have a discussion saying, okay, we probably plug in some simple solution and that would expand very quickly. If yeah. you have none of that, it's very difficult because you will have to for finance a lot of it. Yeah. And that, that's when it becomes more and more tricky because you're then, you then, well, I've employed an agency to do this, but they've got to do more and more work as well. And that's when it's like, well, hold on a second. So, okay, fantastic. So what's been, do you think, the biggest uh, pleasure you've got from uh, e-commerce and its journey so far? What's the thing that you wake up each morning most proud of along that journey? uh that's a very good question i think it's uh there's two things one is internal one is external uh the internal part is to see some people blossom and um i'm i i love building i'm an entrepreneur and i when i see people evolving so i'm i'm like very far away from a micromanager not because i'm good but just because I hate details, so details confuse me and I get lost. So I don't like I I, I give to people say you know this is you. I give you maybe some tips and you go and you create it and you'll be even better than me and that's cool. When I see that and when I see we've got people in India, we've got people in Madagascar, we've got people in several places, and when you see someone blossoming and for example 
uh, I'm thinking of someone in India who started, uh, she created for us, or she said, oh, we should have a mentorship program inside the company. So she, she came and she's a support and she's very young and you could say, you know what, you know, shut up and, you know, do your work. But now she came up with this idea and she said, wow, that's awesome. So she set up this thing and said, okay, I'll create, I'll list mentors and mentees and we'll do this three. And she created completely that program. When you see that, you say, wow, what I'm doing is actually, it's got a meaning because some people find a, uh, find a purpose and they're really excited. That's, that's super for me. And the second thing is when you see some brands which were really small and you created the strategy with the people and you deliver it. That's, that's especially the small startups. And on the other part of the scale is I do uh, some strategic consulting for very large companies. And that can be really exciting also to have a lot of stakeholders, a very complex uh, problem to solve. And you have this discussion with all a lot of stakeholders, and 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 you define a strategy with everyone into you. We I do sometimes like four hours or eight hours sessions now on Zoom, so it's a bit heavy. Yeah. And you def and you man manage to come up and to define with a group of 10, 15 people a strategy, and in which you believe and you say, "Wow, we've we've managed to get that brand even in a complex environment to something where we really believe they can perform," and that's that's exciting. Wow, I love that. That's great. I love the mentorship program. We've got something here called the Performance Pathway, uh, which is very, very similar. Uh, which so I totally get that. That's amazing. So let's talk about uh, the future for now. So let let's talk about the e-commerce landscape right now, and let's before. So what I want to talk about is how how what you see moving into Q three, Q four, or Q four now. Really, we're sort of focusing on that. You. What you see is the key things that people need to start considering. But before you answer that, what I'd love is uh, your opinion on Brexit, post-Brexit, uh, and on the other side of the channel to us. So, first of all, opinions on Brexit. Secondly, um, what you see as, as uh, important coming into Q4. Uh, so, yeah... I would say, if I put it in a in a word, is a shame, right? Brexit is a shame in the sense that so much energy lost, and and probably great for consultants uh, selling their their hours on on helping onto the Brexit thing. It's like it's made the life of so many people complicated, and I don't see the sense of it, the business sense. And I'm not trying to be political. It's just on a business on the business sense. It's a so much time wasted and money wasted that I don't see that it would benefit anybody. But that's me on the business side. Now, it, it's clear that things are coming, like it's much, much ado for nothing, right? About nothing. It's right. It's like they've created rules, but we're back to square one because the rules, uh, so basically UK has, has agreed to follow 80% or whatever percentage of the rules of Europe anyway. So it's yes. like, what? Why start that all of a sudden? It's like I found out from a big brand also that on the vendor side, um, so before when Amazon UK was buying, it could send its products throughout Europe, right? Yeah. So you could be selling your products as a vendor to Amazon UK and it's being sold on Amazon DE, right? When Brexit happened, this stopped. And we saw, okay, now maybe there's a uh, UK is a bit harbored or safe. At least that's a benefit for vendors. But apparently they found it, which I'm not surprised, they found a way through that and they uh, this is going to happen again. So 
it's like life is going on. Uh, we're probably going to pay more customs. Uh, probably going to have more complications in 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 uh, uh, like having uh, C markings and UKCA markings and whatever. It's like this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make business sense. Now, in in terms of the impact, is is not changing much. It's complicating because on the seller side, you need to have your stock in the UK and stock in Europe. So it's just making life of people very complicated in doing business. Yeah. Um, but it, its impact is like because we people are resilient, right? Businesses are resilient because we're in business and we want to make it work. So we, we will go over it. Life will go on and it won't be the end of the world. Uh, it's just why, why did we lose so much time? Why did we we should have spent that money and time on something else? No. Yeah. Oh, well, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, I know we are of a one mind, but it's like yes. Ah, yeah. It's it's sometimes it, it's the kind of thing where you start to think too much about it. You, you want to sit down and you know and stop working, right? It's like what? Yes, what, what exactly. happened? Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, all right, good. So let's lead into Q4. So what do you think e-commerce? Um, what do you think we you sellers vendors should be thinking about leading into Q4 this year? What are the key things and things that are important right now? So. You've got always the, the, the obvious uh, things, which you know, prepare your stock, prepare your advertising, uh, have a great content, blah blah. Okay, so that's the basics are still there. Now, what we're seeing and what we're working on our side is uh, we see that. So I don't know if it's the A9 algorithm or the A10. Like nobody knows, so you can speculate as much as you want. But is what one thing we've seen is that it tends to react strongly to outside traffic and what we've been so we've added in our team uh, the service of doing outside of amazon uh, advertising which is like google facebook instagram and we're sort of seeing more and more this as a whole and say okay we, you can have your shopify website use fba into your shopify website and do advertising and then start to benchmark your shopify website with amazon and send traffic to different things so it's Looking at the e-commerce as a whole and trying to, uh, if and and also be careful because when you do Google advertising, is Amazon advertising? Are you advertising against yourself and bidding against yourself on the Google and stuff like that? So it's like, have a look at that and maybe sometimes people are completely the face into Amazon. It's like, okay, take a you know take a bit a step back and look a bit at what's around it and have this strategy of okay, now. Cyber Monday, like Black Friday and Cyber Monday, uh, CPCs and everything goes completely bonkers. Like it goes crazy, right? And it, yeah. it becomes sometimes not really affordable. So maybe you want to have a look and make campaigns on, on other places. And you've got uh, things like in the States, you've got Amazon Live, you've got new things coming, Amazon Post and everything. So it will be, okay, start to broaden your view to have, uh, a bigger ecosystem and to have look at this efficiency uh, a bit larger than Amazon because sometimes if you stay on the Amazon it's it's yeah, the idea of the funnel it's like sometimes people say okay I've been doing everything right but I'm it's not moving it's just because you're too your funnel is too narrow right so you want to widen it up with more audience more people you throw into the bucket so that it becomes larger and you've got more people to play with, if I can say so, in terms of targeting and, and getting things done. So that would be my 
my suggestion is like sometimes at the beginning, well, all, Amazon is awesome. It's, it's going, so just go on. If you see you're maybe slowing down, then take a step back and look at the whole picture with other things, social network, uh, community management we're starting to do just to build brands uh, because you want to build that awareness outside also. Interesting, something you mentioned there about uh, Amazon Live, for example. How, how do you see that's going to change the landscape for brand owners going forwards? I think that's massive. Uh, and, and actually, fun fact, sorry, I'm going to do a bit of advertising for myself. We're having a webinar tomorrow with a brand, one of our brands we're helping, which has started Amazon Live in the US. And I wanted them to share with other brands or what it takes and you know why they did it. It's like I'm a I'm a strong believer that this is a way forward. And the yeah. thing is, if you look at Amazon.com and what they do with lives, it's the quality is to be fair is a bit poor. Uh, the quality of the platform is still poor. Like they don't rep the big thing you want to do is repurpose videos. You want to put them on the product page video. You want to put it in elsewhere. You want to reuse it. Amazon Live doesn't use it. You've got other solutions in, in Europe. One is called Cast, for example. And if you're interested, look at, go and see Cast, so C-A-A-S-T dot TV. Uh, and it, it's, a French, it's a French company, but they do that for large uh, retailers. And it, they repurpose all the videos. And that's super, like, it's like, it's a bit like podcast. It's a concept of a podcast or a webinar. You make a video, you answer live the questions of the people. And then someone is looking for, you can index the question. So like, for example, you're showing a tool, uh, Black & Decker tool, and say, okay, is, does it come, you know, do you have multiple plugs or whatever? And the keyword plug will be indexed. So if you look for it, it will send you to that right moment of the video. That's mind blowing. It's like, okay, you get all that content, you don't have to read and people get it. And for me, that's going to be huge in terms of, and of what's going to happen. And you see Amazon posts, you see Amazon brand stores, this yeah. is going to become a B2B uh, or like or a, a product Facebook, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's going to be, I, I mean, I love the idea of it. I think it's the way forward. Um, I, you know, seeing what the engagement's like and what the take up is and what the conversion is would be really, really interesting as it rolls out in more and more countries and, and marketplaces. I think that's going to be great. Okay, fantastic. So, Jerome, if uh, people want to get in contact with you, want to hear more about what you do, perhaps talk about working with you, um, what does that look like? What's the best way of doing that? It's the pub The pub you were talking about. That's that's the best place. But if, if, if the pub <laughs> doesn't work, uh, we've got ecommerce.com, e-commerce.com, uh, e or you can go to uh, LinkedIn. Um, we're very active, so you can look for e-commerce or Jerome. Uh, my family name is probably complicated, Beguinier, but e-commerce, you, you will find us and you can ping us there. We are on Facebook also, Instagram and everything. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, everywhere. We will be happy to reply and respond uh, for any support and help we can bring. Fantastic. Well, it was absolutely amazing to have you on, Jerome. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, there were some great values, some great ideas, and it was great to hear a bit more about your story as well, uh, which I've absolutely loved talking about. So thank you very much. That's it from me, Andy, on the e-commerce Expander Secrets podcast. Thanks to Jerome of e-commerce, and we'll see you on the next episode live. Thank you very much. That was great. Thanks.